we believe that government that is closest to the people can have the best impact on the lives of people. That is the root of this. That is the rationale behind these efforts. And I'm optimistic about where the future is headed. Over the past several decades, the federal government has regularly overstepped its constitutional role, imposing burdensome regulations and acting against the best interests of Utah. From mismanagement of federal lands to unrealistic environmental standards imposed on our state, Utahns have had enough. Joining us today to discuss about how the legislature is pushing back against federal overregulation, as well as his joint resolution rejecting a proposed land exchange with the federal government, is Assistant Majority Whip, Representative Casey Snyder. Representative, thank you so much for taking the time today. No, thank you for having me. It's a privilege. So, Representative, why don't we first start with this joint resolution that, that you have. This resolution just recently passed out of committee. What does this do, and why is this important to Utah? You know, one of the few things that we've been blessed with as a state is trust lands. Sections identified by the federal government that have been with us since statehood, which were originally established so as to allow us to grow an educational system. As our state's grown, we've used those for a variety of purposes. Initially, we just sold them off or we built schools on them or we, in one way or another, divested of them so we had monetary means to grow an education system. There are parts of our state, however, where that transfer, that disposal never occurred, and the Bears Ears is one of those locations. Despite some of the pushback from our federal delegation and certainly those of us here in the legislature, there's been this yo-yo of regulation of from D.C. use of the Antiquities Act to establish fairly restrictive patterns of what a monument should be coming from D.C. And I think the Bears Ears National Monument, something I've worked on for a long time, is not been of value to anyone. I, I do think there are some very important landscapes in that place. I think there's very important cultural and natural resources located in that region. But the way this has been handled by a series of administrations is of very little value to local communities and almost a bit of a slight to the state of Utah. The unfortunate part of this is maybe even to add insult to injury is as we've moved forward in the last couple of years trying to salvage what we can of a, a poor management and a poor designation is despite the efforts of the states to move forward with a exchange that would be of value both to those cultural resources and the school kids of this state, despite our efforts to be at the table and be a fair partner and to negotiate in good faith, for whatever reason, a reason I can't divine, the federal government has created an atmosphere around the Bears Ears National Monument that's totally untenable to the communities that live there. Now, some of that speculation, because the management plan hasn't been released, but we've heard enough chatter in the background that we're very, very nervous about where this is headed. And our federal partners in the delegation have decided to withdraw their legislative mandate that they were running as legislation through the House and Senate. And unfortunately, though we have authorized that exchange here at the state level, it's time for us to take a step back too and reevaluate what's going to be in the best interests of our education system there. Mm -hmm. Now, this issue is not new to you. You've been working on this even before your time here in the legislature. Can you walk us through what exactly does this management plan mean for the state? And what are the implications for rejecting this exchange for the citizens of Utah? You know, every designation, every area of concern, every parcel of federal ground almost has some sort of management plan associated with. This is not a new thing. Now, this one is confined to the parameters of the Bears Ears and is governed by some intertribal agreements and those types of things. So it's a little bit unique in those aspects. 
But at a fundamental level, this is fairly standard practice that has occurred with nearly every national monument that's designated and with nearly every acre of federal property. The unfortunate thing that we're hearing on this one as it moves forward is this may be some of the most restrictive land use regulations that we've ever seen. The management plan that's coming potentially with the Bearsers may be one of the most restrictive we have seen. I am hearing, and again, we have not had yet anything confirmed, but there'll be significant curtailment of grazing, existing historical uses in the region. There is talk that there may be even places where not only is motorized travel restricted, but foot cross-country travel in a monument that is millions of acres, a million plus acres of size. So just think of what that means. On public lands that belong to everyone, that are not designated by Congress, you may not even be able to step foot in parts of those places. Mm -hmm. It is total federal overreach. It's bureaucratic interpretation. And I think we have to take a step back. If, If you can't even walk in a monument, how can you have any sort of economic opportunity in that region? And I don't think the dollar is always the ultimate objective in any of this. But when you hit that level of restriction, you have to do whatever you can to stimulate a local economy. And so pulling back these parcels from a transfer is wholly within our power and actually probably in the best interest of the state and our school kids because it may actually be that those parcels are the only ones in that entire monument that can have any sort of opportunity for either recreation or economic opportunity. And that's that's unfortunate. I really am disappointed that we've gotten to this place. I supported a year ago the efforts to move forward with this transfer I have been very positive as to the direction where this has gone, but unfortunately this has fallen apart because the federal government just has not engaged us in a productive way. Mm -hmm. So this really is locking up a lot of the Utah lands, not just from development, but also even from, like you said, recreational opportunities uh, that Utahns will not be able to use this million plus acres for really anything going forward. Is that fair to say? Imagine having an area that is over a million acres in size and places where you can't even walk off the trail. Now, this area down there has been known for generations, if not millennia, as a place where you can hunt, you can recreate, you can shed hunt, you can wood gather, you can do all of these things. And now the federal government's going to come in and say, there are places in here where you can't even get off the trail. Cross-country foot traffic is not allowed. This place has been, since at least homesteading times, important for the local agricultural community. This is where they're running cows. And you have generations of agricultural operations who have developed their livelihood around the ability to move animals and to graze within the parameters of sound and sustainable grazing. And now unilaterally through a plan designed and at least implemented by people who don't live here, who aren't from here, that's going to go away. And that's that should bother a lot of people. Now, again, I haven't set my eyes on it. That is the fair criticism of this. But there's enough out there that we do believe that it's time to take a step back and reevaluate. What I would hope is that this resolution ultimately gets us to a position where we can re-engage in a productive way on this topic. I do not believe that it is in the best interest of anyone, whether it's the state or in those regions, to have sort of this protracted conflict and levels of uncertainty. But we've got to be fair to each other. And that's really what this resolution's about. Mm-hmm. So other than this resolution that formally rejects that land exchange that was on the table, what else can the state of Utah really do to help push back on the federal government when it comes to some of these land issues? I am one that believes 
fundamentally that there is a difference between doing something with people and doing something to people. And the way the federal government has treated us, especially under this current administration, is rather than engaging us in a productive way, there's sort of this sentiment that they know better, they know best, and this is how you have to do it. And obviously, this is one symptom of those things, but we look at it all sorts of regulation, whether it's basic economic functions. I look at agriculture and some of the rules that they were trying to impose on the ability to ship cattle. You talk about what's going on with our air quality, creating standards that are unattainable, even under the best of circumstances. They don't live in a real world. And so recognizing that we have to, for better or worse, find a different way forward. And unfortunately, Again, we're headed towards conflict. Now, I'm optimistic. I believe that good people can find a way forward, but I'm also probably more optimistic because I see things coming down the road that are going to give us release to some of these pressures. There's a Supreme Court that's already made decisions that have transferred some more of that decision-making authority to the state. This session, we're prepping for what we believe will be a, a fairly significant Supreme Court decision in June on the Chevron Doctrine, which is really the Supreme Court case that's created a lot of this conflict through its deference to the federal regulatory agencies. And so we're just beginning a process, whether it's in a bill that I am running dealing directly with the Chevron Doctrine, HB 470, or with what legislation Senator Sandel has proposed with SB 57, We're just setting the stage to assert the rights of the people of Utah and the legislature a little more into some of those decisions. Now, let's talk about some of those regulations uh, that you mentioned there, some of those environmental standards that have been imposed on the state rather than work in a collaborative effort with the state to try and meet some of these. You have a bill, House Bill 470, to really start to address some of these federal regulations. Can you talk about that effort and what the state of Utah is doing to try and push back on some of those federal regulations? No, I I do. HB 470, I would say, is not an original idea. One of the great things about this legislature is we have a variety of brilliant minds that engage in these topics in productive ways. Folks like Representative Brady Brammer and Representative Ryan Wilcox, they, among several others, have been watching this court case move forward. And all HB 470 does is say, if the Chevron doctrine is overturned, again, the Chevron case being one that has established the ability that agencies have to have deference when implementing statute, if that is overturned, let's review as a state those regulations that we believe are coming not through federal statute, but instead through agency rule, regulation, what have you. Let's identify those and then based on the new interpretation of the statute from the Supreme Court, let's make our case. And I suspect if things go the way we're hoping, you know, fingers crossed, that could be all sorts of regulatory burdens that have been applied to the state. Everything from the environmental side of regulations to transportation, even some of the social service and education rules that come out of the federal government are not outlined or enshrined in federal statute. They are enshrined in CFRs and other interpretations of the agency. So I'm optimistic. I actually think that for the first time in a generation, we can begin to crawl back some of that authority that's been stripped of the state, not through a sort of Don Quixote sort of fight against the federal government, but rather through strong interpretation of federal law and federal casework that is married very well with state statute. We can create a process to crawl some of this back. 
What else can the state do to push back against the federal government? We've watched, especially over the last several years under the current administration, a lot of these burdensome regulations placed upon the state of Utah. And what is Utah currently doing to really fight the federal government on this front? You know, I think, again, sort of the statutory approach we've taken is the best way to move forward. Now, I will say there are also avenues that we can engage in a productive way that doesn't have to be sort of this conflict area with the federal government. I've been a big champion of a program called Shared Stewardship, which marries very closely the efforts of our state to manage our lands for the benefit of people to reduce fire risk and to improve the health of watersheds. I've been a champion of a program that we've had since the Trump administration that allows state and federal resources to flow smoothly together to improve our public lands. Those types of collaborative approaches, I think, are paramount as we move forward. Yes, there needs to be pushback, but when and where there can be collaboration, we also need to take those opportunities. And so I would say, let's do what we can on the statutory side. Let's find those areas where we do have shared interest and move forward. And hopefully we'll have better outcomes for all residents of the state. Is there anything else that you'd like Utah residents to know and to understand about this healthy conflict and this tension between the state and the federal government? Yeah, you know, this is nothing new. And it's been a function of our system since the time of our founding. This is how it was established. The states were meant to be very close to the people. I'm a strong believer in things such as the 10th Amendment, which really is where in our Constitution, the ability for the state to be more involved in in the lives of people is enshrined. I very much believe that this tension is okay. Now, finding our way through it is important. I also believe in the last several decades, this isn't a new thing to the Biden administration, But there's been, out of Washington, this ever-increasing amount of overreach where, because for whatever reason, D.C. has decided that they know best, that the unelected bureaucracy in D.C. knows best, that an administration that may be different than ours, Democrat versus Republican, knows better how to manage our state than we do, those of us that actually live here. This is what is arising of this. And I think what's important for the people of our state is to remember that we're We're watching this not because we want to have some of this little brother, big brother sort of fight, but rather we believe that government that is closest to the people can have the best impact on the lives of people. That is the root of this. That is the rationale behind these efforts. And so we're going to continue to work in that fashion, and I'm optimistic about where the future is headed. We appreciate you and the work that you're doing, particularly on this front, to ensure that the needs of Utahns are placed first and foremost in this discussion. Representative Snyder, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you.